All right, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Romans 14. Romans 14 today, we're uh, getting into the second half of chapter 14. Uh, it's kind of sad, I started working on next week's sermon back on Thursday and realized we were moving into chapter 15, and uh, we've only got two chapters left in the book of Romans. I've really enjoyed this study uh, in the book of Romans. I hope it's been a blessing to you and hopefully challenging your walk with the Lord. But uh, we'll have a few more sermons, and then we're going to have to move on to another study. So uh, we'll see where the Lord leads in that. But we're in Romans 14 today. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm moving into verse 13. Just by way of introduction, let me remind you, up to, up to verse 13, Paul has given us four uh, truths concerning his admonition about dealing with the weaker brother. Up to this point, he has pointed out that God has accepted him. He's pointed out that Christ died and rose to be Lord of all, not just some. He pointed out that they are our brothers in Christ. And he pointed out lastly, the last thing we looked at, that all of us will stand before God's judgment seat one day. And in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Christ makes it very clear that we shouldn't judge by a standard that we would not want to be judged by. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 7, just for a minute. Matthew chapter 7, and just looking at that one section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, starting in chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with, with, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the, mo the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. And you know, I think Jesus is so clear in his teaching, but, but just absolutely nails us where we spend a lot of our time. We spend a lot of our time sometimes worrying about some little speck in somebody else's life when we have a giant beam that's a problem in our life. And, and yet we spend our time, we spend our energy, we, we, we judge that person for the little teeny speck in their life and totally ignore the giant beam that's in our own life. And that's what we tend to do sometimes. Why? Because it's much easier to see the wrong in somebody else's life than to admit the wrong in our own life. So it's much simpler. I mean, it just may be the littlest, teeniest thing in somebody else's life, but boy, we can see that but we don't see the big beam sticking out of our own eyes, so to speak, as Christ puts it in this passage. And so, so Paul and, and the Lord Jesus Christ are helping us to see the issue of judging and being careful in our judging because we will be judged by the same standard in which we judge others. And again, remember that Paul, this whole, this whole discussion about judging other people is based on disputable things. It's not core doctrinal issues of the faith. These are disputable. These are issues that there is, there is no for sure cut and dried answer to. Um, and it's different depending on the people. To the Jew, they were concerned about the meat that had been offered to idols. The Gentile, he could care less about the meat that had been offered to Gentiles. He just knew to him it was meat. And so, um, uh, that had been offered to idols, I should say. And so to him it was just meat. And so, and so Paul is talking about disputable things, and we have to constantly remind ourselves of that because there are areas where we are called as believers 
to deal with other believers. Romans uh, just back, or just ahead, I'm sorry, chapter 15 and verse 14. He, um, uh, yeah, verse 14, he, sa- he says this, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given me, in God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ, Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God and the offering the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And uh, he's talking, you know, he's talking about that he's a minister to the gospel to tell people, you know, where they, where they are in life, where they've gone wrong in their life, to admonish uh, fellow believers in, in, in things like that. You can turn over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. And then what does he say? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So, so as he's giving advice to Timothy, who, you know, Paul's Timothy's mentor, Paul gives him advice, hey, be instant, in season, out of season. Again. And he says, but part of that is to rebuke when it's needed. And so there is occasion for us to 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 take that role, to take that position, but we must be careful that it's not taken in disputable matters. And that's what Paul's point is here. And so he goes on, Roman number one today, our proper response to a brother, our proper response to a brother. Notice what it says, uh, starting in verse uh, 13 here, verse 13. It says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall. So how does this happen? How, how do we put a stumbling block in the way of another brother? How does that happen? Well, it happens two ways. And I'm sure all of us have lived long enough on this earth to have probably witnessed these two ways at some point or another. It happens, number one, uh, it can happen when we beat somebody down with legalism. We beat them down because their belief doesn't match our belief, even though our belief is not necessarily a core doctrinal issue. It's, it's, it's a disputable issue, and we beat them down with that. That's one way that we hurt or harm our brother. The second way is the exact opposite, and uh, we entice them to sin through Christian liberty. In other words, they, you know, hey, you can do, you can do all these things because you have liberty. You have freedom in Christ, so you can live any way you want to live. Well, that's not what our freedom in Christ means. It doesn't mean live any way you want to live. But there's people who take it that way. There's people who say, hey, I have freedom. The Bible says I have liberty. I have freedom. So I can live any way I want to live. Well, that's the other way we harm our brother or sister in Christ by, by trying to show them something or teach them something that, that's not a true principle of God. Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, if we just turn over there for a minute. Galatians chapter 5. And starting in verse 13, notice what it says. It says, you know, I'm sorry, wrong passage, Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. Uh, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Ah, okay, so, so he says here, you've been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, what? Serve one another. He says, listen, you do have liberty. But don't use your liberty to feed the flesh. He says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. 
and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So what's the key? What's the key? Paul says, you know, you, you shouldn't use your liberty as an occasion to please the flesh. So what's the key? The key is in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So how are we as believers to walk? We're to, we're to walk in the Spirit of God. And then he goes on to describe that to us. What is walking in the Spirit of God? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's walking in the Spirit. So if we're chewing out our brother in Christ, we're probably not walking in love. If we're ripping him up one side and down the other because he doesn't think the exact same way we think on a disputable matter, we're not showing him the love of God. We're not walking in the Spirit. So Paul's basically saying, listen, you have liberty, but don't use that liberty to tear down your brother. That's what he's saying. You know, it's interesting, the two words here in this passage, in this verse uh, that we just read in verse 13, uh, where he says, uh, not a stumbling block or occasion to fall, those two words literally mean a hindrance or a snare. So basically saying, listen, don't hinder your brother and don't ensnare him into something he doesn't need to be ensnared in. That's what Paul's saying here. We can see another passage that deals kind of with this issue in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and starting in verse 4. It says this, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. Remember, that was the first argument Paul was dealing with in this passage, the meat that was offered to idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. So I love how Paul puts this. What he does, first of all, he says, listen, as pertaining to meat offered to idols, it doesn't matter that the meat was offered to an idol, because an idol means nothing. He says there's one God, and that's what counts. So Paul starts the whole argument off that way. But then notice what he says. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father of uh, Father of whom all are of whom are excuse me all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol in, in, unto this hour eat as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest that by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So Paul takes the argument here that he start, that started this whole discussion in Romans, <coughs> the eating of meat that was offered to idols, and Paul says, listen, the long and the short it is, you can eat it and be fine, or you cannot eat it and be fine. But he says, don't use your liberty to cause a snare or a hindrance 
to a weaker brother. That is the key. Our desire should be that we show love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice what it says as we move into verse 14. It says, and I myself, oh, I'm sorry, wrong chapter. I keep skipping to chapter 15, sorry. And I know and am persuaded uh, by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. So Paul says, listen, he says, I know that there's not a problem with eating this meat. But he said, if you go and do it right in front of your brother who feels like there is a problem, he said, you're not walking in charity. That's the word for love. He says, you're not loving your brother as you should. You're, you're seeking really to destroy him. <coughs> and at this point, I had one commentator point out, I thought this was really good. One point, commentator pointed out, he said, he said, listen, at this juncture, we could ask the Apostle Paul, am I my brother's keeper? And the commentator pointed out, remember that those words came from the lips of a murderer. Pretty tough, right? Think about it. You could say, hey, if he doesn't want, if he want this or this or this, but I feel this, and so I'm not going to worry about him. Paul says you're not walking in love. And you could say, hey, I'm not his keeper. But a murderer said that. Cain and Abel. We must ask ourselves, as Stott does in his commentary, he said, did Christ love him enough to die for him? And shall we not love him enough to refrain from wounding his conscience? I thought that was a good quote. Christ loved him enough, the weaker brother, to die for him. Sometimes maybe we have to love him enough not to offend his conscience. To not respond properly is to destroy, to weaken, or damage our, our brother. Notice verse 16. It says, that, Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Now, that's a very short verse, folks, but that verse carries a lot of power. Let not your good be even evil spoken of. In other words, don't let your liberty in Christ somehow get turned around and used against you as a negative. That's what he's saying. He's saying if you feel comfortable eating meat, don't let somebody be able to turn that around and use it against you as something evil. In other words, what? We're supposed to love our brother. And we're not supposed to destroy our weaker brother. That's the proper response to a brother. Then he goes on to Roman numeral 2 today. The proper conduct in light of the kingdom. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. I love how Paul lays this whole thing. He lays this argument out in depth. I mean, we've almost been an entire chapter now on whether you can eat meat offered to an idol or not. And then he says, he just comes around and says, listen, the kingdom of God is not about meat. It has nothing to do with meat. He said, you are, you are turning this issue of meat into a mountain to die on, and the kingdom of God has nothing to do with it. So don't do it, is what he's basically saying. He says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
That's what we need to be worrying about. Righteousness. Living at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The joy of the Lord in our lives that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. That's what we should be doing. That's what the kingdom of heaven is concerned about. Not about meat. And so Paul says, don't make it about meat. For he, verse 18, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. He's acceptable to God and approved of men. His priorities are pleasing to God is what it says. So what, what is Paul saying in all this? Well, he, he's saying this, folks. We can live in such a way that though we are living right, the priorities we have set up in our life are not pleasing to God. Or we can live in such a way that the priorities we've established in our life are pleasing to God. And so we have to ask ourselves, what makes the difference? Well, the difference in this entire passage is dealing with how we love our brother. Loving our brother. Remember, what is, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And what? And your neighbor as yourself. That's what, the, what did the Lord say? That's where all the law and the prophets, they hang on these things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so we need to understand that we need to have a genuine love of God for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even when we don't agree on disputable matters. Now again, folks, I want to caution you because this is a, we walk a very fine line here. This, this is not core doctrinal issues. There are churches that we don't associate with in this, in this nation because their core doctrinal issues are completely different than ours. Core doctrinal issues. How do you get saved? How do you maintain? You, do, can you lose your salvation? You know, all these core doctrinal issues we don't associate with some other churches because of these are not core doctrinal issues. Paul is talking about disputable issues. So we have to understand we're walking a fine line here of what is a core doctrinal issue and what is a disputable issue. And that's what Paul's dealing with here. He's dealing with the disputable issues. Believe me, Paul wrote a lot about doctrine and not being carried off into false doctrine. You could study a lot of Paul's books. He spent a lot of time dealing with that. That's not what he's dealing with in this passage, so we've got to understand that. So then that brings us to point number three today. So then what is the proper use of our liberty? If, if we have liberty in Christ, if we're, if we're supposed to love our weaker brother and sister in Christ, what is the proper use of our Christian liberty? What do we use it for? Well, he tells us, verse 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Listen, folks, we're supposed to edify each other. That means we're supposed to lift each other up. That means we're not supposed to spend our time tearing people down. That's what it says. We're supposed to edify one another, follow after. The word follow after there is, is the word we get pursue. It's to aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch to aggressively chase after that's what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be aggressively chasing after what making peace and edifying our brother that's what we're supposed to aggressively chase after 
just like a hunter would his prey. Three exhortations. Pursue what leads to peace. Don't destroy God's work for the sake of food. And though all food is clean, one should never eat to the stumbling block of another. Notice what he says. He says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things which wherewith one may edify another. For meat, for meat, destroy not the work of God. So Paul just lays it out. He says, listen, when it comes to the issue of meat, don't let meat destroy the work of God. He said, your arguments over meat can bring a hindrance to your weaker brother, and you could destroy him. So he says, for meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. So Paul says, listen, pursue what leads to peace. Don't destroy God's work for the sake of food. And though all food is clean, one should not eat to the stumbling of another. We see this same concept in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and starting in verse 11. Notice what it says. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto our perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be not no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, uh, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So here's one of the occasions where Paul's dealing with doctrinal issues. He says we don't want to get sidetracked by false doctrine. But speaking the truth in love may grow in, up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual uh, working in the measure of every part maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself. How? In love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Paul says, listen, we don't want to walk the way we used to walk. We need to make sure we don't get carried away by every wind and doctrine that comes down the line. But what are we supposed to be about in the body of Christ? Edifying one another. The edification of the body. The edification of the body. And we need to be seeking to excel, pursuing to excel in edifying the body. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and verse 10 says this. It says, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Paul says, I write to you to edify you, not to destroy you. That's what he says. Edify, not destroy. And then we see number four today, a final principle to practice. A final principle to practice. Notice the last two verses. He says, hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, 
because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What does Paul say? He says, listen, hast thou faith, keep it to thyself. The, the convictions we hold in disputable matters, again, disputable matters, are convictions and an issue for our conscience, not that we put on to other people. So we must be careful. We must, first of all, have discernment, folks. What is a disputable matter? And what is doctrine? There are things that are doctrine. We, hills we have to die on. There are. But there are disputable matters that are not hills we have to die on. And so we have to be careful that our convictions in those areas are our own faith held by our own conscience, not pushed on to our brothers and sisters in Christ that may see things differently. If conscience allows us to eat meat, then we should eat it. But if conscience does not allow us to eat meat, Paul says we're condemned because that's not what our faith is telling us. Our faith is telling us you shouldn't eat it. So if you turn around and eat it, he says to you it's sin. It's sin. Because your conscience has told you not to eat it. And you've gone against what your conscience has said. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, and we'll close here. It says, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to please Him. See, our faith plays a role in this, folks. And our conscience, the Holy Spirit instilling in us that we know one of the things the Holy Spirit does is that still small voice in us. And that still small voice back in this day was telling the Gentile, you don't need to worry about the meat that was offered to idols. But to the Jew, his conscience was saying, I can't eat that meat. So then he was saying, so that means you can't eat it either. That's what the Jew would do. Because if he couldn't eat it, he couldn't eat it either. But Paul said, listen, this is a disputable matter. If your conscience tells you to don't eat meat, then don't eat it. But don't condemn him, your brother and sister in Christ, because they do. What's the key, folks? I think the key to all this, and, and what will help us overcome all of this, because it, it's such a difficult issue to walk through. There's, there's a lot of difficulty here, because we have to first of all discern what is doctrine and what is disputable matters. The key to the whole thing is this. We are supposed to walk in love with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are supposed to build them up, not rip them down. And, and I'm telling you folks, I have seen way too many times in my life where churches and groups have tried to rip and tear other groups down under some cause, under a disputable matter, and all it's done is it's brought harm to the body of Christ. It's brought harm to the testimony of Christ. It's brought destruction on people that didn't need to have destruction on them because they didn't look at Paul's advice here. What are we supposed to do? Live in love with our brothers and sisters in Christ and edify the body of Christ. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed as we come to the end of service. We ended a little early today. They motioned me about 15 minutes ago that the snow started falling. So, um, and... Um, so, as we come to the end of the service today, we've been two weeks basically in this passage here in Romans 14, all dealing with this issue that stemmed, first of all, from whether food that was offered to idols could be eaten or not eaten by which groups. 
<coughs> but it's not just limited to that. Paul dealt with some other issues in the middle of that too, if you remember. And, and, and everything in the Bible is there for our instruction, for our knowledge, for our learning. So the question we have to ask ourselves today is, indisputable matters. Have I spent time in disputable matters tearing down my brother, or have I tried to edify and lift up my brother? Have I loved my brother, or have I torn down my brother? Indisputable matters. Now, there's other passages we can look at, and other times we can look at sermons when it comes to core doctrinal issues. And we are to be strong in our faith with core doctrinal issues. But again, this is dealing with disputable matters. So let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. <coughs> I'm just going to ask Alyssa either play something on the piano or play something on the flute either way. Just one verse of something. We'll give you a moment. If the, if the Lord's dealt with you and you need to spend some time at the altar, we'll give you a moment to spend some time at the altar this morning.